Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of True to the Cougs, brought to you by the Believe Network. My name is Jamie Vinnick of KookFan.com. With me, as always, is Seahawk and Wazoo legend Marcus Trufant. Marcus, how's it going? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. What's going on? Uh, doing okay, man. The Hawks did their thing. The Cougs, uh, we're going to get into that. Didn't do um, – I don't like to say the Cougs cooped it because that's. Oh, no, no, that's. I don't know what that term is. So we'll see. Uh, Yeah, 50% on the weekend for those who who cheer for the Seahawks and Cougs. If you cheer for the other school in the state, you went 100%. But, you know, we'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, Where did you watch the game this weekend, Marcus? I know you said you were kind of uh, doing the fatherly duties a little bit, though. Yeah, man, I'm doing my thing. So what I usually try to do. on the weekend, I got flag football with the kids. I got soccer with the kids. So most likely that's going to fall um, during that game time. So I come back, I watch it, man. And every blue moon, I can get my son to watch it with me or I can get my wife to watch it with me. But I always watch it at home, man. But it's usually after the fact. And I try to stay away from social media and all that kind of good stuff. So I definitely got to watch it at the home. Which, uh, which of your sons do you watch it with? Which one can you usually get to? Well, um, did you say which one of my sons? Which one of your kids? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Cassius is the baby boy, baby boy, seven years old. And he comes and hangs out with me sometime and asks a bunch of questions and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool, actually. See, I, uh, I had the interesting viewing uh, pleasure this weekend. I was actually at the Mariner game on Saturday, but okay. had to leave in the 12th inning to get home to, to cover and watch the game. So I missed the last, you know, the last three hours of that, that marathon game. Oh, and actually, uh, I'm back on the west side. Innings. Week. 18 innings, yep. 18 innings, yeah. Yep. I was there through 12, and I yeah. watched at my, my parents' house back on the west side. But it didn't go so well. We'll get in, into that in a minute. But, Marcus, first I have to ask, did you have any bets this weekend on any games? I usually do have a couple bets going, man, but uh, I didn't get one going this weekend. And um, this is, so, you know – Football is back on Bet Online, and it remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. As your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code Leave B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Listen to the man. He knows what he's talking about. Let's get into the recap of the Oregon State game. It was a um, disaster. Uh, disaster is harsh. It was a nightmare for the offense, at least. 24-10 final in Corvallis. The Cougar offense just had no juice. They had no mojo. They had no, just, they had nothing. Um, you know, there was a point where dating back to the loss against USC, they had gone 15 consecutive drives without scoring a touchdown before Jalen Jenkins scored from nine yards out. But it, it was just, you know, for a, a fan base that has long seen these dynamic and electric offenses to see them score 10 points in a game. I mean, that was, that was two drives for a, a Mike Leach offense. If the drive didn't go well, which means they actually had to kick for once. It was usually two touchdowns, but no, the, the, the core, I mean, I, I didn't think Cam played terribly. Um, I, I didn't think Cam had any sort of support. I thought the offensive line was poor. I thought the receivers played their worst game I've seen in 
a long time. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to characterize six drops and, you know, the routes weren't crisp. It, it just, it, there was something lacking from the game. And it's felt that from the, from the opening kickoff when Oregon state takes it 60 yards back and starts in plus territory. And it was uncharacteristic of what we've seen out of Jake Dickert teams. You know, they, they might not win every game, but they're not going to come out flat and unprepared. And it just, th- there was no juice this week. And he has said himself, if you're juiceless, you're, lo- you're useless. And there was not any juice on, on the team this week, and it was a disappointing showing. If you're juiceless, you're useless. I like that. That's what I felt too, man. They never really kind of got their footing, man. It was like they were kind of unsure, and then you're chasing and you're running uphill. The first quarter, I think they had one um, yard of offense compared to 149 yards at Oregon State, man. And that's tough. And not that the Cougs can't come back from that because they have that type of offense, of course, that's high-powered, and they can put up a bunch of yards, a bunch of points in a hurry. But they were just um, kind of behind the eight ball, man, and they just looked unsure. And it kind of looked to me, and I'm not in the offensive huddle, of course, but it looks like they're doing a lot of the same stuff. And as you get deeper into the season, the defenses are going to start to figure you out. So I think that's what's starting to happen, especially on those quick passes. You know, the defensive ends are putting their hands up. It's a bunch of balls that are batted down and stuff like that. So little by little, it just was looking really bad. And, of course, um, you're missing Bale and you're missing Watson. Of course, that hurts a lot. But you got to be – you got to have that next man up mentality, and it just didn't happen. You know, and, and as you said, there has to be the the note that they're down the starting running back in Nikia Watson and down, you know, their their oldest receiver, Renard Bell. But it, it just – I think the issue I have right now is there's so many deep drops. I mean, they're dropping back, you know, five seconds, six seconds. The offensive line can't hold up that long. I mean, the line, it, it's we've talked about it. It's inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get. But the easiest way to kind of, you know, take the pressure off them Take a quick a quick drop and throw. I mean, we see the Seahawks do it with Geno Smith. He drops back, boom, balls in Tyler Lockett's hands, balls in DK Metcalf's hands. That That's more of what Washington State needs to do. If you look at the other side, what Oregon State was doing, they didn't throw the ball that well, but so much of their success came with that little play-action boot. They fake it, they have the entire line pull off to the right side, and then the quarterback, Gold Branson, he just kind of rolls out the other way, tosses a quick out, and the tight end's wide open. Those are simple plays that take the pressure off your offensive line to block straight on, to block downhill, because that isn't working. They just, they have not been able to hold up long enough. That all being said, your offensive line could sit there and protect 30 seconds. It doesn't matter if your receivers can't catch the ball. And I think that was far and away the biggest concern. I mean, six drops. You you get Robert Farrell, who's been, you know, almost automatic this year, drops one that, you know, forces a punt. Donovan Ollie has the ball hit his hands and ends up getting intercepted on a fourth down. Those are, it's, it's the execution piece. And Eric Morris talked about it last week. And one of the things he said was the offense is nowhere near where it needs to be. It's not even close. Um, and he said that it has not been an ex, it has not been executed on every phase. So from quarterback to running back to receiver to offensive line. And I think you really saw that on Saturday where you can't look at an offensive position group and said, oh, they played really well. The running backs were probably the strongest of the group. But then it also begs the question, why is Jalen Jenkins only getting seven touches or eight touches when he's or actually I think he ended up with 10, had a couple late catches. But he was your most explosive player against USC. He's probably your most explosive player, period. And I'm not sitting here trying to question Eric Morris. I mean, this is a guy who is 
proven that he can run an offense and do so successfully, but you know, yeah, and the game script required you to pass. I get that, but you know, I just I thought the execution was extremely poor. I thought if you look at the other losses, all right, it's USC. USC did what USC does. And when they lost to Oregon, same thing. You know, the offense was good, the defense didn't get the job done. This one just felt like guys didn't play well enough. And I think that as a fan um, or as someone around the team is frustrating because they're not devoid of talent. They have talented guys, especially at wide receivers. So it was frustrating, I think, to see six drops. And these weren't the drops where, oh, it would have been a great catch. It's it's hitting him in the hands and then falling to the turf harmlessly. It's, you know, yeah. it was not a good performance by the wide receivers. And I think that was maybe as big of a killer as anything, you know, Take away the line, take away. I mean, Cam Ward, I think, finished 25 of 54. And you look at that, oh, my goodness, 45%. Six drops, six throwaways. He goes 25 of 42. Yeah, damn. Definitely makes it tough, man. And what I saw, man, um, you hit it on the head, man. Everything is so hard, right? These deep drop backs, a bunch of scrambling, a bunch of – crazy um, stuff that's trying to extend the play. It's nothing that's just like on time, automatic, basic, um, basic three-step drop or basic five-step drop. You're waiting for all this stuff to happen. And that's hard to do. And that's hard to uh, do on a regular basis, man, and be consistent. So I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know what they need to do. We don't want to take away our um, strength, right? As far as the cool grade and doing all these special things, but sometimes just a basic play, I mean, a gain of five is cool, but it shouldn't be so hard. You shouldn't have to run a hundred yards, you know, scrambling and doing all this stuff just to get a first down. It should be some on-time plays to make it happen. So I think that's what we need to get back to. And with that, it comes the running game. The running game must be strong early. Just like I said earlier, you can't have um, one yard of offense in the first quarter, right? And the time of possession, of course, is way off the charts. So they just got to start on schedule and they got to get these plays going. And that helps the defense. That helps the special team. We didn't even talk about the special team. I mean, the first play out the game, they get a huge kick return. And the field position game is a uh, key, especially when you're going on the road. Man, you got to come into games ready to start fast and you got to get things going. I know. Uh, and not to jump into the Seahawks, but the Seahawks, they always had an issue with starting fast because we traveled the most, right? So you got to find a way. I don't know if that's um, shoot, if that's eating the right type of food on the plane or doing what you need to do, because I know they used to give us about 10 or 15 bucks. We used to go to McDonald's. I know they get more money now just because times have changed, but you got to find a way to be able to start fast, and they definitely didn't do that. Right, and, and I think if you, if you look at – the other game that they didn't start fast was Idaho. And I think that's fair to say probably their other worst game of the season, um, even though it was a win. They played terribly in that game overall. And we're lucky to get out of that with a win, especially now, I mean, Idaho just went and beat top five Montana. So it's a good team that ends up being, you know, a decent enough win as in, as in, uh, in terms of a big sky win. But no, I just, I think that there has to be some kind of emphasis this week during the bye week. And we'll get to the bye week in a minute and kind of, you know, what needs to be worked on, but, Snap the ball, drop, throw. Snap the ball, drop, throw. I mean, I was it's, – it's, it's crazy to be yearning for what Washington's doing offensively because it's been vice versa for so long. But, you know, I watched the Huskies offense and Michael Penix drops back. He go, drops back for two seconds and quickly gets it out to one of his playmakers. And 
you know, the, these, if you look at so many Wazoo offensive plays, they wind up with Cam Ward running for his life and having to do the tightrope back and the Houdini act. And yeah, it gets on sports center when it works, but nine times out of 10, it doesn't work. And part of that is simpler schemes. And then part of that is receivers need to break off their routes. There was one play in particular. I think it happened in the, I want to say the first half. I can't remember if it was the first or second quarter. Ward drops back and the receivers stop. I mean, they just stand still. One, one receiver breaks down the field. Well, Ward's not going to be able to get it while on the move. And then everyone else is just kind of waiting. Got to break off your routes. Gabe Marks was so good at that in Leach's air raid. Um, and I think Morris knows this. Morris is not going to sit here and say, no, nah, what we're doing is fine. It's going to work. He's going to – I mean, they're, they're tinkering. They're tweaking things all the time. And I think that there is obvious, based off what Morris himself has said, there is a dis- or there is they're not satisfied with what the offense is currently doing. Um, and that kind of leads us into this, the third segment of what does Wazoo need to address in the bye week? And I, and I think offense is kind of the clear answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's offense, man. But you just made me think about something, man. Um, as far as tweaking and doing different stuff, man, I think there is something to happen. Um, and I'm not trying to give excuses, right? but a tired team and you travel, you go on the road. It's not like you're flying across the country, but traveling and doing different stuff like that, um, it can be tough. And when you run an offense like the Cougs run, there's a ton there, there, there is an endurance a piece that comes with that. Right. And you're running all these different routes and you're running at a high tempo. So potentially on the buy, um, find a way to dial it back a little bit and maybe get get into the mental side of it versus the physical, right? And um, find a way to have your team fresh and you want to fire your team up, but you want them fresh and you want them to be able to do what the game plan is saying, but you can't really do that if you're tired. So again, that's not an excuse, but it just made me think about it. Going into the bye, you want to rest. I know you're talking to college kids and um, sometimes you might, to kind of let off the gas a little bit, kind of let your hair down and not that you're leaving the campus and you're partying and doing all this kind of stuff, but you want to stay locked in and you want to find a way to get rest. I mean, and heal up. Of course, the guys that were hurt, of course, um, it, it give them some time. I'm not sure how long they're out for, but we need guys to heal up. And um, yeah, just so they can get back to the field, man. And I think the other thing we do have to talk about is from the defensive side of things. And the defense was very good on, on Saturday. I mean, 24 points, the, you know, the secondary was great. The run defense didn't do its job. I mean, that's just kind of the, again, the, the long and the short of it Two over 200 yards rushing and a lot of just, you know, right through the gaps. And I, I think the one thing you might need to look at is kind of that interior of the defensive line. I mean, they've been good for a lot of this year. They were great against Cal. They were great against Wisconsin. But this is back-to-back weeks now. I mean, Travis Dye carved him up with USC, and then the combination of uh, Fenwick, Griffin, and Martinez did so with Oregon State. And I'm not saying, oh, suddenly change everything you've been doing, but it's probably something to look into and say, okay, maybe something needs to be tweaked there or tinkered with there. You're coming out of the bye with Utah and Tavion Thomas, and they're going to run the ball a lot. And then you start getting into Stanford with Casey Filkins. They're going to run the ball. And then even you know with Arizona State and X Validay, so – You've got games in where you're going to have to stop the run to be successful. You've done it. So it's not like you have to suddenly say, all right, we haven't done this all year. Now we need to figure it out. But kind of go back to whatever it was that you were doing against Wisconsin and Cal. 
get back to that because that worked. Whatever happened the last two weeks did not work. Right. And again, man, I think five games into the season, six games into the season, it's not at the dog days of the season yet, but you do want to keep your guys fresh. You got to find a way to remove, um, to get guys back motivated and get the energy back up. Of course, that comes with winning. So you definitely want to get some W's, but you have to find a way to motivate this team. And on defense, you got to, you got to be able to fly around. You can't be guessing. You can't be waiting. You got to be able to trust your team. So I think they need to go back to the basics, man, and just, you know, all right, um, you know, I'm playing this gap, and I know my boy's going to be there. I'm not going to try to two-gap. I'm not going to try to play both. I'm not going to try to do everything. Let's do my job, and I'm going to do that well. I'm going to beat my guy every time, and I know my dog next to me is going to do the same thing. So it just comes down to trusting your guys, man, and playing good defense and not trying to do everything, right? Especially um, if you talk about that interior, because if you get to looking around and you start listening to the noise, okay, the Cougs can't stop the run. You sometimes can do things and you're trying too hard, right? Do your responsibility, stay in that gap, and let's make it happen. I think that's where it starts. They talk about uh, one of the things they preach is doing your 111th, as in, you know, loving guys on the field, you do your, your job as one person, but you know, talk about the bye week a little bit, kind of moving into the, the next segment. How were they different for you from college to the NFL? Obviously, at college, you still have school, so you still have kind of that aspect of things. But what else kind of differed um, in how you approached a bye week at Washington State versus how you did it with the Seahawks? Well, with the Seahawks, um, you prayed to God that you didn't have no injuries, right? Because if you were hurt, you lived your bye week in the training room. And – so in the pros, guys want to travel. I know um, a group of us went to Vegas one year. Um, and then as I grew older, I have my wife and kids. I get to hang out with my family, man. I get to chill. I get to do it like that. But the bye week is really a time to heal up physically, but it's a time to give your mind a rest, right? You're grinding every day and you're getting there early. If you've been through training camp and doing all through this stuff and you're just rolling into the season. And that bye week is key. Um, just like I said earlier, um, if you get guys hurt, you can get guys to come back and different stuff like that. But the bye week in the pros, I know guys got that marked on their calendar early, early, early in the season because they want to just be able to chill, man, and uh, take a load off. But in college, it's different. You're pretty much still on campus um, and you don't get to go nowhere, but you're able to just kind of lock in, right? And I think it's more for the coaches in the game planning, you get more time and you should come out hot after that bye week. If you've had more time to uh, practice, you've had more film and you just um, should really be ready. So I'm expecting the Cougs, man, to come back hot, hot after this bye and then be ready to ball out. What do you remember from kind of your college bye weeks and what you would kind of do during those? Obviously, again, there's still school, but you know, was there any other ways you'd kind of approach it differently? Well, yeah, the, the Wazoo campus um, still is the same. So there's, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's males and female <laughs> athletes, students on the campus. So, you know, in the bye week, man, you, you uh, kind of get that mental rest. Of course, you take care of your business, but you hang out a little bit, man. And you chill with your boys in Pullman. It's not 
a lot that's going on. So you build this family atmosphere. I know we've talked about it before on this show, but you kind of lean into that, man. And you, uh, you talk a little ball with your boys. You talk live, but you get to hang out a little bit too, man. And um, it, 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 you get to watch some of the other teams around the pack, man, and just see really what's going on. But um, back in the day, man, the campus was live, especially when you went in. I know we kicked it tough on the bye week, but we took care of our business first take care of your business and you make sure you go to practice, make sure you get your film in and then you can go out and kick it, man, and do what you need to do. And you come back fresh, man. And then when you get back to that game week, then it's like, okay, now it's time to go, man. It's time to get back to business. And that's what it was about, man. Any good stories from, uh, from some bye weeks of, of chilling with the boys? Lots of cool water, man. So, um, <laughs> those days, start to run together a little bit, but we tore the campus up, man. We uh, pretty much hang out on Greek Road, and I forgot the little uh, place on campus right there that's right in the middle that everybody yeah. kind of stands and hangs out. I don't even know if they do that no more, but just a lot of time with the boys, man, and um, just being able to refresh, man, and take a load off and not have that pressure of the game that week. Of course we had practice, but it's a whole different mindset. Um, did we do anything, go to the, man, not much to do in Puma, man. I just remember taking the, uh, kicking it up to the next level, right? And you don't got no game, so you can go a little harder and that's what we did, man. Once you turn 21, we're of legal age, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Moving on into uh, the fifth segment now, we'll talk a little Pac-12 storylines. Um, USC falls uh, to Utah. Ironically, SC fans up in arms over some uh, calls made by the officials, which for Kook fans is really funny considering the prior week events of an offensive lineman being ejected for targeting, the Cougs getting called for 11 penalties when they've been mm -hmm. called for 23 all season prior to that. So a little, uh, a, a little ironic in a sense, but a huge win for Utah that, it puts a big dagger into the Pac-12's playoff hopes. UCLA is probably the only chance left. Right. Yeah, man. Um, this thing in the pack, man, can get a little crazy, man. I, I just even facing a team like Oregon State, man, I felt like Oregon State came in like the Cougars should have came into this game. They brought the energy. They had some guys down as well, but that you do it by committee, man, and everybody steps up to the next level. So that's kind of what's going around in this pack, man. This team that are supposed to be this, supposed to be that on paper. And we all know that, that in any week, um, that you could get beat up if you don't come to play, right? So that's kind of what's going on. I know that USC, um, I mean, is doing their thing. You said they're the only unbeaten, right? UCLA, the only unbeaten. UCLA, yeah. So, um, the team's just got to lock in, man. And for us as the pack, we need um, that representation for the future of the uh, pack and what that's going to look like. And so I know that's in the back of everybody's mind, but it's a real deal. And UCLA, I mean, it's not like, oh, they've got a nice easy game this week. They're heading to Austin Stadium <laughs> to play Oregon. College game day is going to be there. A pretty high profile game for the Pac-12 and you know, I said UCLA is probably the only chance left for the playoff. I guess Oregon or USC could 
it's just hard to see a one loss Pac-12 team getting in over, you know, a four loss SEC team. I'm being sarcastic, right. obviously, but you know, the SEC, if it's one loss Pac-12 or two loss SEC, well, no, this SEC team, well, they played, you know how it is. Everyone, I think, knows how it is with the SEC. They get their love. Um, but I think a one loss Pac-12 team compared to a one loss SEC team, they're going to pick the SEC team and, and probably fair that they do. If you look at the two conferences, I mean, the SEC, I know there's the SEC bias and everyone thinks the, and well, sure. Someone go beat them for a national title and then maybe there won't be an SEC bias when, you know, when it's Georgia and Alabama winning or playing for the title. Yeah, there's going to be a bias, but um, I, I do think this will be a good test for UCLA. I think it's their first true road test. Um, if you look at their other tough games, Washington and Utah, both of those were at home. Um, and for Oregon, a team that's been rolling ever since they lost to Georgia, this is probably their toughest test as well. I mean, they, they've played some tough games. Washington State, you know, gave them a good run. But outside of that, you know, BYU is in there. And, I mean, Arizona isn't really much of a, much of a test. But I think this will be a truly difficult test for them uh, facing a, a rolling UCLA team at home. Right, yeah, man, it comes to – I think it comes down to just putting the fire out, man. And you talked about those um, – I talked about those biases and the way people treat teams on the West Coast or just in the pack in general. They do that because when the lights is on at these other conferences, they, they pretty much show out, right? So you want things to change and you got to put the fire out and you got to stop the bleed. You can call it um, – call it whatever you want to call it, but these things have to start happening. And these things I'm talking about, the teams in the pack, they have to show up big when the lights run. So you talked about some of those games, man, and some of those big road tests. The pack got to show up, man, and that's all we can do. Before we move on to the final segment, I do have to shout out Colorado will not go 0-12 this year. They beat Cal this past weekend. I want to make mention of that because I have just been merciless in my uh, discourse around Colorado saying that they're just terrible. And I still don't think they're very good, but credit to them, you know, playing hard to get a win over Cal and uh, the 2008 Huskies can pour one out. They remain the only winless team uh, in the Pac-12 or Pac-10, I, I guess. Really, I know some guys I was on that team and I never let them forget. So, yeah. I, I would hope so. I'm, I'm glad you don't. I'm, I'm glad they still remember that they went winless. Winless. I mean, there were some bad Wazoo teams in that era, but winless. Can't imagine. Um, moving into the wrap-up now, I mean, we, we talk about the Seahawks a little bit uh, on here, but they're balling, and Abe Lucas, I mean, looking like a franchise right tackle. He, he did give up a sack this week, but that was the only pressure he gave up. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I think he's showing why you should draft Wazoo players if you're the Seahawks, as evidenced by Abraham Lucas and Marcus Trufant. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Doing his thing, man. Yeah, yeah he, he looks good, man. And it, it uh, started in the preseason, started in training camp, man. He opened a lot of eyes um, thinking that he was coming from Wazoo, pass happy, all this kind of stuff. Of course, um, Abe will be able to pass block, but he can get in there and get nasty and get dirty in the run game, man. And it's really showing up well. And he's just playing well, man. And it's showing because the offense is coming together and the offense only goes as far as the offensive line is going to let the quarterback go. A lot of Geno Smith talk, a lot of running game uh, talk as far as the Seahawks. So you got to give a big shout out to the offensive line and they're doing their thing. You know, it, it's so funny when you talk about Lucas and Cross and 
These are guys who are Mike Leach products. Oh, they can only pass block, but they clearly have no issue getting into the chum of the line and being able to run block. Oh, yeah, man. They, um, you can call them the big nasties because they yeah. really uh, – um, they get in there and get – Nasty, not too nasty to where they're getting penalties. And we've had that before, like as far as the Seahawks. Like guys would get in there and they would really mix it up, but they would take it too far. These guys got the controlled aggression and they're smart. Smart guys that know the game of football and they're doing it as really young guys. So it just goes to show that these guys were well coached in college as well, right? And they were able to transition over to the league and make it happen. It's a really good look, man. The big uglies, as Keith Jackson used to call them. Um, and then also have to make note, the Seahawks signed uh, Aesop Winston, former Coug receiver, to their practice squad today. So, again, they're seeing what the Cougs can do when they're in the blue and green, and this is what happens. Thank you for listening to True to the Cougs with Jamie Vinnick and Marcus Trufant, brought to you by the Believe Network and powered by Bet Online. Make sure to follow True to the Cougs on Instagram, Twitter, and, again, we, we talked about this last week, I guess TikTok. I Still not familiar with it, but TikTok, you got to do your dances on TikTok. Right? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that for you. Can do the dances. I'll uh, I'll stand by idly. <laughs> um, but thanks again for tuning in. And as always, we'll uh, close it out with a go Cougs. Finish it. Go Cougs, baby. We're going to keep it nice and calm. We want to be relaxed going into next week. So go Cougs, baby. Go Cougs. I agree with what you said. Let's be chill going into the Utah game. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.